you are listening to the Holy Cannoli Podcast. It's all about making sense of life, who we are, and why we're here. Life is sacred and life is strange. And here's our dad, Tony Gapastone. Three, two, one. Welcome to episode 20 of the Holy Cannoli Podcast. It's me, Tony Gapastone. And Wendy Gapastone. <laughs> and the third... Oh, did you hear that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He just said hi. That was our dog, you guys. Our dog wants to be That was a treat. Famous. <laughs> he, he, All he, up in the grill right he, now. He, he licked my face, and you got the, the tongue lickage. Okay. We're at the, the Gapastone uh, family. No, it's the Holy Cannoli Studio, Holy otherwise Cannoli known studio. as the Gapastone family home. Uh, we were looking at our crumb-filled table just minutes ago. Crusts <laughs> of oatmeal nuggets. Even though it's 9 p.m. at night. I love that you said oatmeal nuggets. Do you think it was oatmeal? Chunks. Okay. I mean, there's residual stuff as much as we have the children. Are we just gross people? Yeah. Somehow, (laughs) now our dog's coughing. (laughs) We have the board game Life on the table. There is a piece of uh, napkin with a crusty, looks like grape jelly. On, on it. Don't you guys want to come to our house? <laughs> <laughs> you guys want to come over and hang out. And a bag of pita chips. This is life. It's hard. It's tiresome. I feel like we said that last time, but this is. Oh, look what's on the fridge. We have a Christmas list already, <laughs> already posted, posted written on the in fridge. Colors. It's the middle of October, the year 2018, and we have Christmas lists already on the fridge. Yeah. But the best thing that happened today, I was uh, speaking at a speaking engagement this morning. I came back in the afternoon and the house smelled like a pumpkin farm a pumpkin pie farm because you had that new pumpkin (laughs) pumpkin (laughs) pecan candle on uh, like flamed up smells so good and i like i said earlier i was kind of surprised because normally i like strong scents i like very strong you're a candle guy yeah and normally you don't like I think it's just the scent. You got to all agree what kind of scent you like and what, you know, what you feel like smelling. So sometimes the scents you pick are a little, I don't know, you don't, but, too strong. But too this one something. was strong, babe. The pumpkin pie know, one. It was good. It's a good, <laughs> strong smell. Okay, so that goes back to my question. <laughs> the other stuff, aren't you said something like it smelled like celery before? I'm like, what? I always go for vanilla. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I know you love vanilla. So I guess I mean vanilla has a spectrum of like nice, soft vanilla, and uh-huh. then there's like almost plastic, okay. fake smelling vanilla. I was just thinking I will give you that cool. cheesy. Oh, there's okay. a cheesy vanilla side, yeah. but I'm not picking the cheesy vanilla though. That's well, the problem. That's, I mean, subjective. <laughs> we do have different scents, as we've I discovered so. in this marriage. Yeah. <laughs> different sense of smells i should yeah. say you can smell things i think sometimes deeper more yeah. than i can you like write it off you're like i don't smell it I'm i like, don't smell toxic sewage what are you that, talking about that doesn't mean it doesn't exist that just means you don't smell it but oh, please gosh. investigate so funny yeah so this candle you guys it's from a really <laughs> high-end boutique if you're interested pinterest it got it today at this boutique called Marshalls. So help yourself find pumpkin pecan. 
Honey, that's, at Marshalls. That was really well done. That was you had me there for a second. <laughs> did you think I, was, I went to a In my boutique? mind, I was like, "What boutique <laughs> did you get it from? Where did it go?" Okay. Uh, okay. So this episode, episode what do we got? 20. Episode twenty. So if you're just joining the podcast, someone shared it on Facebook, and you're like, wow, this is an interesting topic. Five questions <laughs> about homosexuality. <laughs> the reason why we have this podcast today is because my friend, who I was with this morning in Nevada with his church, The Quest, is responding to a Canolio, which is a listener of the podcast, mm-hmm. who listened to episode 9 and 10 and said, hey, I have a question uh, she said, can I send you some, some questions and would you write back? And uh, we were all dialoguing together on a message through Facebook. And so it was really cool. I really appreciate all you all listening and all the engagement. I really, really do. And then Matt was so cool. He said, you know what? Why don't I record my thoughts instead of you know sending a bunch of links and text? So he recorded about a 20, 25-minute recording and then he shared it and we've been dialoguing back and forth and the woman who heard it said cool Uh, i got her permission to use it although i tried to beep out some things in the podcast uh just for matt's sake because he mentioned somebody that he was dating at one point and then for the other person just so we don't have to put any names out there uh, not she's for th- profanity's sake <laughs> it's not profanity it's beeping out. beep just a couple uh the, the woman said she'd be fine if her name was out there anyways i just thought just to make it clear and not confusing so matt is responding to five questions in this podcast that's what it's about so at times he might make reference to some of the message that we were talking about it's it shouldn't be too confusing it's pretty straightforward it's five questions i posted them on the facebook page you'll hear them one two three four and five there'll be a little uh commercial interlude with my daughter as we talk about a sponsor in between and i will list off some of those references because he kind of brushes over them because of that okay Sweet. that's great because i feel yeah. like that's probably they're probably questions that a lot of yeah. listeners have so it's a great idea to have him record it and mm-hmm. just kind of get it out there yeah i really appreciate the way that he responds to questions um we've talked about that before but i think that mm-hmm. he's very humble mm-hmm. and respectful even if he has a different opinion than the person that he's talking to. So I've kind of just seen him on social media and just in in the podcast that you recorded with him, mm-hmm. responding with just grace and humility. So mm-hmm. I look forward to listening. You have told me I should be more like him at times. <laughs> uh, and now you're responding. Yeah, yeah, which is so funny. I love it. I mean, humbly, <laughs> I'm convicted because I try to be a friendly, respectful, kind person. But there are times when I feel frustrated by silliness. <laughs> and Matt and many other LGBTQ people who have had to defend themselves and answer question upon question for so many you know, experiences can be traumatized and overwhelmed by it and i know he's gotten frustrated before but he is a good model i totally appreciate him and got to hang out with him today and if you're in the bay area we will be doing our third and final gathering on october 21st at the quest in nevado which is a church that meets there at 10 a.m and i'm speaking and he's leading music his kids will be there on october 20th 2018 anybody's welcome to come and join us it's been really fun being with that community i love it is it 20th or 21st Sorry, yeah, October 21st. It's a Sunday. Sunday. Yeah, October 21st. Cool. Before we launch in, 
the T W Q A. How about oh, yeah. that? <laughs> that sounds like another acronym. So last week we talked about we need to have your questions, people, because we will be doing a podcast where we're just answering burning questions <laughs> that you guys have. You keep us. making fun of it, honey, but <laughs> you said offline that there was a couple questions you were excited about. Yeah, there's some that seem really fun to answer. So I'm just asking you listeners out there, can you help us out by giving us a few questions? I much prefer talking about <laughs> questions than just talking off the top of my head. So I appreciate the questions that have been put out there so far. We got and some like seem eight, fun nine, ten, something answer. like that. Yeah. yeah. So give us some questions. Go on the Holy Cannoli Facebook page and post something. You can private message one if you pref mm -hmm. prefer to do it that way. You can message Tony um, mm -hmm. from his social media stuff and let us know some things that we can answer. And then we'll record a Q&A time yep. and then it'll be out in November. November 12th. Yeah. Perfect. Awesome. And thank you guys for listening. Again, if you're just tuning in for the first time, this is the 20th episode. You can go to episode number one. Uh, we almost have, almost have 500 listens so far. I was looking at uh, our highest episode is Matt's episode number nine uh, with almost 700 listens. So thanks for sharing. Thanks for reviewing. All that stuff helps get the word out. I am loving this. And thank you guys for being a part of the journey with us. And here, with no further ado, is Matt Nightingale answering five questions on homosexuality. Hey, and Tony. I thought I would just record my answers. So I typed up the questions that I think basically are, are what you were asking, and I'll do my best just kind of off the um, cuff to answer these questions. And we'll see if I even agree with myself. I'm kind of a verbal processor, so a lot of times I don't even know 100% what I think until I hear myself say it. So you're getting very raw answers, um, and we'll see if I actually send this or not. Number one, is homosexuality a sin? How do we know? I say no. I say um, that, that a man loving another man um, is not sinful. It's just not in the same category as um, the other sins that I see in the Bible. Like, you know, a lot of times people will be like, well, it's just a sin. You know, it's no worse than my sin. Um, and I just categorically reject the concept of sin uh, around this kind of thing. Now, can some sexual behaviors of homosexuals be sinful? Yeah, absolutely, of course. Um, so I'm not saying that anything we do with our bodies is not sinful. Uh, I am saying that um, by definition, um, homosexual sex acts are not in and of themselves sinful. How do we know? Um, that's a great question. And there are tons of resources. Um, there's kind of two things that I'm thinking of. Number one is, yeah, there's ways to kind of interpret or reinterpret what we have always been taught the Bible teaches. So just like you got around the very clear and obvious teachings of the apostle Paul to not let women speak, right? The same hermeneutic that allowed you to get around those verses to the point where a woman can preach in a church that you go to, uh, is the same hermeneutic, uh, I believe, of freedom and kind of justice and inclusion that, that we see at play there. Um, so scripture seems to forbid women uh, preaching, and we think that they can. 
scripture seems to justify slavery. We don't believe that that's true anymore. I really think that our society and our understanding of God evolves over time. Um, and I think that the writers of the New Testament had a somewhat antiquated understanding of human sexuality, as of course they did, because it was thousands of years ago. Um, I think we know more today. I think we know that um, two men who are homosexually oriented um, are not harming themselves or others when they love each other. Um, and like when my, my definition of sin has changed a little bit. Um, it's no longer just like, what's the Bible say? Um, it really has a lot more to do with what, what do we, what do we understand with the Bible as our reference for sure, but, but also taking into account our understanding of reality that God has given us based on our senses and our intuition and our community and our, um, our society, you know, what is harmful stealing? Yeah, that's a sin. Stealing is harmful. It, it actually takes something away that doesn't belong to us. Uh, murder is harmful. Adultery is harmful. Gluttony is harmful. Lust is harmful. Adultery is harmful. Um, these are things that we can look at and go, yeah, that's why. That's why scripture says it's sinful because it hurts people. It takes something away. It it diminishes um, pe- human thriving, right? Um, homosexuality or, or, you know, gay sex. I'm just not seeing it. In fact, what it does for gay people is it enhances our humanity. It helps us to be um, loved and secure and, um, and desired and... Um, it, it gives us fulfillment in, in ways that only romantic love can bring fulfillment, you know? Um, and to deny all gay people the experience of love and romance and acceptance and freedom and sex just because we happen to be oriented toward our same gender, it doesn't sound... Uh, like something God would do. And, and also the, the love that I experience with another man, it just doesn't have the same um, impact on me or other people that say stealing would or gluttony or lust or envy. Um, I also, this is just personal testimony, but like I know what it feels like to try to get away with something. I know what it feels like when I'm kind of scheming and conniving and thinking like, mm, how can I cheat on my taxes so that I don't have to pay my entire bill? You know, and I'm like, ah, yeah, yeah. I know what that's like. And I feel the tug of war inside me between what I know to be right and what I want to do. Um, I, I have experienced that many times throughout my life as a Christian who has the Holy Spirit um, inside me. And as I try to do the right thing, right? I'm tempted to do wrong and I choose to do right or I give in to the wrong. But I, I know what that feels like and I suspect you do too. Um, my, you know, quote unquote, giving in to homosexual temptation feels nothing like that. I don't get the feeling like I'm, I'm getting away with something and I'm gonna feel guilty about it then because I just, I don't. My loving a man uh, in the experiences that I've had don't, feel like that. I don't feel like I'm trying to get away with something, you know, and hide it. And, and I don't know. I, I feel like I'm just finding love. <laughs> like that's what it legitimately feels like. And I know the difference between those two feelings. Um, 
if you want, there's tons of books that kind of help us understand how maybe these scriptures can be viewed in a new way. I have gotten to the point where I don't really need that anymore. Like, I don't need someone to explain the Greek word for porneia to me, blah, 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 blah. And that's all well and good. And if that's helpful, then great. But I just feel like based on the character of God, based on what I understand about my own body and my soul and my spirit and my intentions and um, what I know to be true about gay people that I know, and I know tons and tons of us now, um, uh, I know in my soul there's like this, this, um, this piece about um, that, that in and of itself, gay expressions of sexuality are not sinful. Like I said, they can be sinful. Uh, you can have you know, needy, dependent, promiscuous, um, uh, harmful, um, adulterous gay sex, just like you can have all of those kinds of straight sex too. So two, can we share some resources? Yes, and we will do that. <laughs> okay, for this interlude, I have my oldest daughter, my 11-year-old, and I don't put my daughter's names out into the world, so you get to be brave maker, daughter number uno. Uno. <laughs> and this daughter uh, loves acting and doing musical stuff, and so she's going to tell you, one of the sponsors of our podcast, Hill Barn Theater. Go ahead and tell them about the play that is coming up and tell them all about the show dates and what they can expect if they go. Okay. Well, this play is called Noises Off, and it shows between October 11th through the 28th. It's called The Funniest Farce Ever Written. Noises Off presents a manic menagerie of itinerant actors rehearsing a flop called Nothing's On, doors slamming on and off stage intrigue, and an errant herring all figure in the plot of this hilarious and classically comic play. Those were big words. Way to go, Hillbarn Theater. My friend, <laughs> the executive director, <laughs> executive director Dan Demers, presents this at hillbarntheater.org in Foster City here in the Bay Area, and that's the year 2018. Go check it out for a good laugh. Dad, why don't you tell them all about the resources that Matt wanted to share? Okay, here are some references in which Matt would like you to check out. I will put all of these on the Facebook page. And they are including a website called Mission Friends for Inclusion, mf4i.org, book by Ken Wilson called Letter to My Congregation, a book called Bible, Gender, and Sexuality, Reframing the Debate on Same-Sex Relationships by James Brownson, Michelle Clifton Soderstrom, Common Sense, Plain Sense, and Faithful Descent, Evangelical Ethics and Marriage Equality. Another book uh, called Changing Our Mind by David Gushy, a call from America's leading evangelical ethics scholarship for full inclusion, excuse me, for full acceptance of LGBTQ Christians in the church. Douglas uh, sorry, Kelly Brown Douglas has Sexuality and the Black Church, A Womanist Perspective. And Justin Lee wrote a book called Torn, Rescuing the Gospel from the Gays versus Christian Debate. There's also a blog called BlueBabiesPink.com where B.T. Harmon does 44 blogs or 44 podcasts in sharing his coming out story from a Southern perspective. There's a New York Times article uh, called The Reformation Project reformationproject.org and the Q Christian, uh, dot org. 
There's also going to be some YouTube's uh, videos to watch and other fantastic things. One of my favorites is by a guy named Stan Mitchell, which I already have posted on the Facebook page. Hope those all encourage you. Now back to the podcast. Number three, since it appears that God's design is heterosexuality, uh, penises and vaginas, babies, etc. How is homosexuality? How is homosexuality okay? That's a great question, and that's one of the things that convinced me for many years. It's like, well, this is God's design. How dare I go against it? Um, I've come to believe that homosexuality is, and I love this definition. It's super helpful to me. Um, homosexuality is a naturally occurring, non-pathological minority variant in the human condition. It's just something that happens. Um, We don't even have to know why or how. I don't know if I was born this way, and I don't care. All I know is that I am this way, and I've known it since I was 10 years old. Um, And so therefore, then, how do I live my life, right? This is a very normal thing. It happens in millions and millions of human beings. Um, So I just cannot believe that we millions of LGBTQ people um, are just like this very normal and natural feeling that we have from a very early age. Like my being attracted to a man is exactly your, like your being attracted to a man, right? When you kind of had your sexual awakening in puberty and kind of went, oh boys, well, that's what happened to me too. Oh boys, wow. And it, it was so natural. And when I uh, kiss a man, I imagine it feels kind of like it does when you kiss your husband because it's it's natural and normal um, for me. I'm very clear. Like I tell I tell my straight friends, please don't have sex with a man. Please do not kiss a man. Like I don't think straight people should act in gay ways. But I do think gay people should <laughs> because it's normal and healthy for us. I just, again, listen to the um, the language. A naturally occurring non-pathological, so it's not a sickness, um, minority variant. Yeah, we're the minority. Yeah, it's a, it's a variation in, in the way human beings um, are kind of designed or created. Yeah, we're a variant, um, but we are naturally occurring. We're, we're just, some of us are. Just like some are left-handed, just like some are albinos, just like some are autistic, just like some are, honestly, I just think it's another kind of person in the world. That's genuinely what I think. Yeah. And, and yes, penises and vaginas go together. Yes. Obviously babies come from sperms and eggs. That's, there's no question about that. Absolutely not. Now, some gay people will go so far. I'm not sure where I stand on this, but some of us will kind of take an accommodationist viewpoint. And this is how I kind of, one of the ways that I started to get toward being open and affirming. I would think of it like a handicap, like, well, some people are born, um, with, I don't know, um, Down syndrome, for instance. And, and we don't expect the same things of them that we do of people who are born without Down syndrome. We accommodate them in terms of education, in terms of life, in terms of whatever. And so I would look at it and go, well, I just have a handicap. I don't know why, but apparently I'm attracted to the same sex. So I would kind of look at it like, well, I think God um, accommodates for me. And allows me, because I have this condition, to, to to be happy and married and healthy and whatever. So I don't know how I feel about that. I don't like to think of it as a handicap these days. But if that's a helpful metaphor, maybe that can be a bridge for you. Uh, how can an ally be an ally without seeming to support all the brokenness in the LGBTQ community too? 
It's a fine question. Um, part of me, though, thinks that there's a faulty premise because I don't think that the LGBTQ community is as dark and sick and broken as so many people seem to think it is. I used to think so, too. Um, when I was in ex-gay therapy, of course, they, the way they would talk about it, oh, the lifestyle and, oh, the dark, wicked LGBTQ community. Uh, now that I've, like, been in it and been to the Castro and been to the gay bars and hung out with my gay friends, and I'm like, yeah, I mean, yes, there is brokenness. Yes, there is promiscuity. Yes, there is um, dysfunction. I think there's a lot of that in other places, too. I think about spring break in Miami. I think about, um, um, what's it called, Mardi Gras in um, New Orleans. And I think there's a lot of drunkenness and orgies and heterosexual brokenness. And I think there's a lot of gay brokenness, too. And and I, if there is an excess of that in the gay community, I think it's a very natural um, thing because we, like I said in the podcast, we have been driven into the shadows and then shamed for being there. Uh, you know, it, it was only in the shadows that gay men in the, you know, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s could find any kind of community, any kind of love, any kind of sex, because they weren't allowed to just have normal, healthy relationships. They were not allowed to date someone and get married and, you know, have a household. So they had to kind of try to find connection, uh, even if it was in an unhealthy way. They, they, they found it where they could find it. Um, so yeah, sometimes I think there is like a, an excess of, uh, dysfunction in the gay community, but I, I give them a pass in some ways. Like, I'm not saying that we can all just go out and do what we want. I don't do that myself and I don't think people should. Um, but it, yeah, I, I just would, I would encourage you to like, to try to imagine that maybe the gay community is not as disgusting and perverted as you've heard it is. Um, and I would just say you can be an ally like up to whatever point you want, believing that it is not like inherently evil to to have gay sexual or romantic relationships, certainly does not mean that you are, um, you know, advocating for promiscuity or open marriages or anything like that. Um, so I think you can just be clear about your terms, and if you come out as an ally, you know, I don't know. It does, I, I kind of am like, well, who cares what people think? You know, that's kind of a luxury of privileged people to to really care that much what people think. I don't get that privilege. <laughs> Although I, I got to admit, like, I try to work it. I try to, like, be the good Christian gay, and I try to make sure that everyone loves me. And, you know, I, I don't know. that That's frustrating. But, um, yeah, you can totally be an ally without accepting everything as normative. Um, five, how does early childhood trauma play into the development of homosexuality? Uh Interestingly, I did have early childhood sexual experience. At six years old, I had sex, sexual relationship with this little boy down the street, and I don't know why or how six-year-olds were doing that kind of stuff, but we were, and I don't know if there was some kind of an abuse relationship or if one of us was sexually abused by an older person and then brought that into our friendship. I don't know. I don't know. And for years, I thought that was, like, the number one cause of my sexuality, um, you know, and ex-gay therapy and a lot of pop psychology will tell you, pop Christian psychology, will tell you that, like, well, if a man has, you know, an overbearing mom and a weak father, and if he has, like, any gender insecurity, and then if he's got child sec childhood sexual abuse, man, it's like a perfect cocktail for, for homosexuality. 
that's fine. You know, and, and as far as it goes, like when I was in the ex-gay uh, therapy, it kind of made sense. I would go, oh, that kind of makes sense. Just like the whole order of creation, men and women and biology and penises and vaginas. It, it kind of all sounds right, you know. But I just began to realize, and Justin Lee in his book Torn helped me to see this really clearly, like go into any room full of, say, 100 men. Um, you know, statistically out of that group of men, only, you know, three to 10% of them will be uh, other than straight, right? So bi or gay or trans or whatever. Um, but if you ask that group of 100 men, how many of you had overbearing mothers? Uh, lots and lots, lots more than three to 10%. How many of you had fathers who were a little emotionally unavailable? Uh, yeah. How many of you were sexually abused or, or had some kind of trauma in your early childhood? Lots of them. What I'm saying is that there is no direct correlation between those kinds of things and the, and like causing homosexuality. It's just not, it's kind of like a, an anecdote that kind of makes sense. And you're like, Oh, that kind of makes sense. But then when you think about how many straight people also experienced those things and somehow managed to become straight, it just, it doesn't add up. Like it just doesn't. So, um, I know that that's comforting for evangelicals to believe because it it plays into the broken narrative. The well, they're obviously sick. They're obviously broken. Um, they are obviously whatever. And then there's the whole well, well. You know, they're no more broken than me. They just and I love how you said. You know, it's just cruel to to insist upon uh, celibacy for an entire class of people. I totally agree with you. And you know, not even necessarily talking about sex, although that's a huge part of our lives, right? But what, I mean, does that mean I can never have a romantic relationship? I can never hold hands with someone and feel that flutter in my stomach. I can never, like, gaze into somebody's eyes. I can never feel that warmth and happiness and acceptance and not to mention the, the joy of sex, right? So I feel like, I, I feel like the God that I know and love um, would not have a standard for millions and millions of us, Christian and non, who through no fault of our own, through no choice of our own, find ourselves inexorably um, and irrevocably attracted to the same sex. I just can't imagine that God's like, whoa, well, doesn't, you know, Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. And so, you know, you, you get to be lonely for the rest of your life and that'll That'll glorify me. I just feel like I know God better than that. And I don't, that doesn't sound like a, a thing that our God would say or do. And again, I, I look at the fruit of, of things. Um, I, there's a wonderful like uh, blog, and I highly recommend it. It's called Blue Babies Pink by Brett Trapp. Um, and I'll share that in the message. It's a wonderful story of, a, of an evangelical Christian who gave decades of his life to, to just being faithful to his understanding of scripture. He denied himself any dating, any sexual relationship, any romantic relationship with a man. Um, kind of tried to be straight. It didn't work out too well for him. Decided, oh, well, I guess I'm monogamous and I'll try to fill my life with friends and, and work. And, and he, he just tells this beautiful story, but it, it's so tragic because he ultimately kind of realizes and shares with us that it just was draining to him to be always alone at the end of the day, always 
uh, you know, he just kind of talks about how over the years that wore him down and it actually was not contributing to what Jesus said he came to bring, which is abundant and thriving life. So that's one of my biggest arguments for this whole thing is that Jesus said he came to bring abundant life. There is no abundant life in the closet. There is no abundant life in denying reality, you know, and I have felt and experienced this is just my testimony. I know it doesn't count for much, but in the romantic relationships I've had since coming out, and there's only been a few of them, but in those relationships, I feel like I'm coming alive. I feel like I am heard and seen and known for myself. I remember in the very first man that I loved and who loved me back, his name was and I'll never forget, just just his arms around me and feeling like, like I can be myself and I'm experiencing God in this moment. I really believe that I did. And I feel like God was smiling and saying, you are who you are and it's okay. Very anecdotal. I totally know that's not, you know, a, a proof text from scripture, but it's meaningful to me. And I hope it's helpful. And if it is, great. And if it's not, throw it away. But I, I genuinely just want to say that I appreciate your sincere uh, questions and the spirit with which you ask them. I sense that you really love Jesus and I sense that you really want to know the truth. And um, if you, you know, can't get there, it's okay with me, I and mean, we can totally still be friends. <laughs> I can still respect you. Um, and I will talk to you soon. Bye. Holy Cannoli Podcast is a proud production of Brave Maker Media. For more information or to donate, go to bravemaker.com to make your tax-deductible donation today. Thanks for listening to Holy Cannoli. If you liked my dad's podcast, please subscribe. Give it a review and share it with someone you think would be encouraged by it.